Welcome to the Journey to Midwifery podcast. I'm your host, Amber Wilson, a doctor, nurse, midwife, turned podcast host. It is our job and passion as midwives to listen to everyone else's story, their journey, their birth story. Now it's our turn to share. So here I am asking these midwives, what's your story? Join me each episode to hear the journey, the passion, and the mission of midwives today. Okay, um, everybody, welcome to this week's special podcast. I have Erin Underwood, who is at Erin Underwood Movement on Instagram. She is a functional movement specialist and host of the Thriving Birth Worker podcast. So Erin, say hello, give us your intro, tell us what you do. Hello, I'm so thrilled to have this conversation with you. Thank you for having me. So like you said, I'm a functional movement coach, which most people would be like, what is that? And I really look at movement as a tool for self-care and creating a life that we actually really love. I think a lot of times movement is this thing that has a lot of shame, a lot of guilt. When I talk to people about it, they just, they sigh. They feel like I should be doing more. I'm not doing enough. And Really, I help people dial in a movement practice that helps them just feel really good in their bodies and accomplish the life they want to live. So everyone has different movement goals, and I'm not here to say what's the ultimate movement goal. I'm just here to help people feel really, really good in their bodies. Can you give an example of what you might do for somebody? Yes. Well, I talk to people about their movement goals and a lot of times people come to me because they're feeling aches and pains. I mean, discomfort usually motivates us to then be brave and step outside our comfort zone of what we normally do. And so I do have a lot of people who will come to me of they have chronic SI joint pain or they have uh, this thing with their knee that is preventing them from doing their job or they have uh, a lot of headaches and neck tension. And so we start from there. And I also specialize a lot with prenatal postnatal clients. So we do, I work a lot with diastasis recti, pelvic organ prolapse, um, things that on the surface can seem really scary, but that was also my own healing journey. And I've gotten a lot of specialized training. So I usually start working with my clients through a specific area, and then we just develop a really fun routine and um, relationship from there. That does sound fun. So one example that you suggested is how to combat back pain after a long shift, which is so pertinent to basically any birth worker. Yes. Yeah. So I really got kind of dialed into supporting the birth worker community um, a year ago or so. So I have trained under Katie Bowman. And if anyone's heard of her, she's a biomechanist and she was doing a workshop. And then the next weekend I was a doula at a friend's birth. So I don't normally, I only doula for people who I really love because it's not my main job. And I was working alongside the midwives and the birth photographer and it was a long labor. So we had uh, plenty of time to get to know each other and the birth photographer leaned over and she's like, my back always kills me after these long labors. And I just 
tweaked. I just whispered. I was like, try this and try this. And we left. By the time we left the 36 hour or so labor, she's like, my back feels great. Like I never walk away from a birth that this is this long and my back isn't killing me. So I was like, this is who I could serve. Cause I was talking to the midwives and I was just seeing how they were physically using their body and what a physical job being a birth worker is, whether you're in a hospital or at a home birth, there are different um, components. So I would say at a hospital birth, if you're on your feet a lot and the hospital floors can be very hard, um, a lot of times kind of checking in with where we carry our pelvis. So a lot of times we kind of allow our pelvis to drift forward. And I like to uh, liken, like if you're standing at the sink washing the dishes and you get that little line of wetness on your shirt because you're leaning forward and letting the uh, counter hold some of your weight. There's nothing wrong with that, but that would be the pelvis shifting forward. And for the rest of the body to accommodate that shift forward, and we do that a lot of times because the front half of our body tends to be a little stronger than the back half. So when we lean forward, we're relying really heavily on the quads, the front of our legs. And so it's just sometimes simpler. It's a pattern that some of us have and our body is very used to just going into a pattern and it likes to gravitate towards what it's comfortable with. And so we can do that in our own bodies when we're just, you know, in the zone, we're doing our work, we're focused on our client and or clients, whatever we're at. And so when the pelvis shifts forward, the lower back has to compress and it adds quite a bit of tension to the lower back. And then the rib cage usually comes up to accommodate for that as well. And so if we can stack the pelvis, I like to say if you cut your butt in half, basically where if you have pants that have a seam, trying to get that seam of your pants more straight up and down than angled backwards so that your hips are stacked over your knees, over your ankles. And then just kind of, I like to cue my clients to just take a deep breath and exhale all the way and just notice if their rib cage feels like it has to hold itself up and is lifting up more towards the ceiling, or if they can just kind of settle that rib cage into what is technically called neutral, but you know, in a more relaxed state, those two components, because the pelvis and the rib cage are on either side of the low back, then allows the low back to come into more of a neutral state than just having all this tension when we're in a state of neutral. And then the other like thing I like to check in on is if we are sitting. So in a home birth, there are a lot of different positions we could hold our bodies in, but um, I do see a lot of midwives like they do try and honor that there's the birther space they like to kind of sit back and pay attention and they're watching and they're always listening and they're always really engaged but they're physically trying to allow the birther to have space and then they're in and out and so again it's a lot of awareness around the pelvis so when we're sitting a lot of times we'll kind of lean back and be putting a lot more weight onto our tailbone and so to choose to shift that pelvis into neutral where we're sitting more on our sit bones allows the back to be in that neutral place. So when we, you can kind of rock it back and forth if any of your listeners are sitting right now and feel rocking back on your tailbone and then trying to lift your tailbone up it while you're still sitting 
so that more of your weight isn't on your tailbone. And if you trace your femur bones all the way up to where they attach to the pelvis, that's about where you're going to find your sit bones. And so those bones are designed to hold most of our weight when we're sitting and the tailbone really isn't. So especially if any of your listeners have like SI joint stuff, putting a lot of uh, pressure on the tailbone constantly when we're sitting is probably not going to feel so good. So let me ask, because I have found personally, if when correcting my alignment and trying to sit all the ways that you're talking about, which is really interesting, by the way, (laughs) sometimes I experience other back pain, like mid back pain. And it's how do you overcome that when you're trying to be proper? Yes. So when we hear alignment, so I'm going to zoom out a little bit and then we can zoom back in. When we hear alignment, a lot of times we'll think of stand up straight. So we'll think of like the grandma or someone in our life, the Aunt Judy or whoever, when we were a kid who would tell us to sit up straight. And to sit up straight, a lot of times what we'll do is you'll think of almost like uh, if someone's in the military and they are very like up and down straight. And so their chest is coming forward, their shoulder blades are coming together and um, they're very, you know, arms are by their side. And the really cool thing is when you look at the spine, the spine isn't designed to be a straight rod. It's designed to have a little bit of curve from the cervical to the thoracic to the lumbar spine. If you look at it at an angle, You've got some gentle curves that are in that, that if, if you're stacked up in neutral, you've got those gentle curves. So the lumbar spine comes in and the thoracic spine's got a little bit of a curve out and the cervical spine at the neck curves in a little bit. And so when we try and yank it straight, then we're actually taking it out of neutral and we're adding tension, we're at, which isn't always bad. But in a resting state, extra tension is something that we can be mindful of. And so what we tend to do a lot of times is to make it feel like we're straight is thrust the rib cage forward and bring the shoulder blades together. And both of those moves are adding extra tension. And so what I like to do is help people find their alignment. What I like to use as my baseline is a space where you are standing with gravity doing most of the work for you because you're stacked in neutral with your bones on top of each other rather than a lot of musculature having to engage to hold you up. So when we go with the curve of the spine, then the rib cage is stacked over the pelvis and gravity is really holding you up more than your musculature is having to really activate to hold us up. So I like to just kind of cue gently like Relax the shoulder blades. You don't have to like try and, you know, sometimes playing around with just kind of where are my shoulder blades? What are they doing? Like kind of pinching them together and then feeling like you're going to give a beach ball a hug. You'll feel the shoulder blades sliding back and forth. And then just trying to notice, do I, do I tense my shoulder blades a lot? Do they kind of pinch together? Cause I feel like maybe that makes me look like I'm more authoritative or I'm, positioning my body so that I feel more open but really openness in the front can sometimes mean we're closing up in the back and so while sometimes it feels like my chest is really open all of a sudden I've got this compression 
on my back with my shoulder blades coming together and then with my rib cage coming forward again it feels really open in the front but I'm compressing in the back and so trying to just find that balance between the two where I'm not hunched over and I'm not just you know kind of going to that hyperkyphotic position of like the head really far forward and like a hunchback but I'm not hyper extending and really reaching the rib cage forward so it's playing around and finding that happy medium and then also I like to advise my clients 10% change so not necessarily going all or nothing because when we make really drastic shifts and sometimes we think oh my alignment it's just a little thing I'm not like lifting 50 pounds all of a sudden I should be able to just make this shift because it just seems like a few inches but playing around with okay, if I really normally stand with my pelvis really far forward, like leaning against the counter, let's say, and I all of a sudden stack it up over my hips, a lot of my clients will find they don't have the strength in the back of their legs to even hold themselves up there. So I'll say, just shift it back a little bit, 10, 20% compared to 100%. And then hang out there for a little bit, a week, and then a little shift more, and then a little shift more. And that's where people see, Uh, a lot of shifts in their own body. So that's my roundabout way to answer your question. (laughs) What would you suggest doing? Like, let's say you had someone in that situation, just speaking of maybe little timeframes of the day, like try this for 10 minutes an hour. Is that something that you could do? Oh, absolutely. So it can be, you know, a lot of people, when you kind of come into this alignment work, it can seem really obsessive and very all or nothing. And I'm either doing it right or I'm doing it wrong. Mm-hmm. And my perspective Especially is... Especially workers. I like, know. Just tell me in. the right thing to yeah. do. <laughs> and they're, from what I've seen in the body, like all of our bodies are so gorgeous and unique and different. And movement is really just asking yourself if it's serving you because some people can stand with their pelvis really far forward and they don't experience any back pain. So who am I to come in and say like, you're standing wrong. I'm not going to do that. But if someone's telling me they have back pain and then I see their pelvis is really far forward all the time, I'm going to say, let's play around with that. Like, let's explore that. And so none of like, I don't like to create rules, but I like to explore and using alignment to just say, okay, let's shift a little bit here, a little bit there, and then we'll notice. And then, so noticing, I would say the pelvis is a huge piece because it's kind of where our center of gravity is. It's what connects our the lower half of our body to the upper half of our body. And it is directly connected to the spine. So wherever the pelvis goes, the spine goes as well which travels all the way up, you know, our center, all the way up our back. And so the pelvis is a really cool place to start noticing. So some of us have, um, when we're standing, you'll stand, imagine like a new, a mom with a baby on her hip. She'll have Mm -hmm. that hip popped out, maybe hiked up on that side. And that's like her comfort zone or when she's sitting and she, if she's nursing, you can maybe see that whole curvature of the spine. The spine's in a C. So she's sitting on her tailbone and she's trying to get her breast down to the baby. And so she's got this hunched over position and the whole back is in a C. But it almost starts at the spine because, or the pelvis because the pelvis is tucked under and it travels all the way up the spine. And we all have these little nuances that feel like our normal, but it's not necessarily neutral. And so it's sometimes fun just to pay attention. Like, so I call it the freeze game 
with my clients where I'm like, be in the middle of something where you're not thinking about your, your, your alignment at all, whether you're at the dishes, you're at the sink doing the dishes, or you're in the middle of a conversation with a friend or whatever it is that you're doing, you're sitting at your computer, like the things that you do most of the day. And then I say, as soon as you think about your alignment, freeze, do not change a thing and just notice what your normal is. Because a lot of times we're in our body and unless we're in pain, we're not as embodied more we're in our head. And so we're not fully aware of where we're carrying ourselves in space. And so I like to just even before even starting with change, I like to start with noticing and picking up habits. So for me, one of the habits I noticed is I had I was a right side hip carrier. So I had four babies in a row. And so I always had someone on my hip for years. And it was always the same hip and I was always like in the same position. And then I found myself, even when the baby wasn't there, I was standing in that position when I was talking to a friend or whatever. And then I realized, oh, that's really interesting because I have SI joint issues on that side. Oh, interesting. So for, it's not saying like standing with a baby on your hip is bad, but for me, my body was giving me feedback saying you do this all the time. And maybe if we balanced it out, you wouldn't have these issues. And for me, that was my experience. And for a lot of my clients, that's their experience. It's teaching yourself to be mindful of your body. Mindfulness is what it sounds like. Yes. And it's really that transition into embodiment. So what I've seen and even what I've experienced is birth workers are so focused on their clients, especially if in a birth situation where their brain is so engaged in the process and looking at the signs and listening to the sounds and paying attention to the energy in the room and what's going on with any birth partners that are there or any of those things. There's so much going on where it sucks you out of your physical body. Like you're in your head so much where we can disembody from our actual physical body and not even be paying attention or aware of our movement choices. And we can almost feel like, and this is one of the things that I get real excited about because there is a huge level of burnout around birth workers and there is a lot of emotional uh, work that is attached to being a birth worker. And I think it's a spiritual experience, like the whole thing. Mm-hmm. And I believe all of those elements can be experienced in our physical body, not just our head. And so when we detach from what's going on with our body, and all of a sudden we have this huge crash at the end of a birth, like all of a sudden we feel it. And I've talked to a lot of midwives in there. They talk about feeling exhausted. They feel about feeling drained. They talk about feeling empty at the end of a birth. And not all of them, but especially like long ones where you're overnight and you're you're really in the zone and you're in that space. And not that it's bad, but they just feel almost like an energetic crash afterwards. Birth hangover. Yes. And to, I love to use movement. One, I use it uh, for nervous system regulation, but two, being aware and embodied and even doing tiny little bits of self-care during a birth. So I'm going to just check in with my pelvis for half a second, untuck my pelvis when it's tucked under in the middle of this uh, moment where I'm checking in on the mom. I'm going to like little, little, little bits. Like it's not like the whole birth is about me all of a sudden. And now I'm just going to do this exercise routine while you are doing your birth. Like, don't mind me, but it's really tiny little check-ins with your own body 
and like little like touching base I call it like just touching in quick check where's my pelvis where's my rib cage how am I supporting myself in my physical body while I support my client and then I see that transition the birth hanger over isn't nearly as strong and then I also get into um, providing tools for uh, nervous system regulation and all that too. I think that is so powerful what you just said about everything really but experiencing that in our bodies because it's like we don't even notice that and then it hits you the next day yes yes for sure um I know we're going to touch on the self-regulation of the nervous system but can we talk a little bit about your feet yeah yes so again I like to talk about it from a couple different angles because Hospital births and home births are, they're quite a bit different on what they require of your body, just because it's a different environment. And I've done both. I've had two home births. I've had two hospital births. Both were amazing. I am not here to say like one is better than the other. Um, But a hospital birth is different in the sense that you have very hard ground that you're walking on. And uh, so that in and of itself can be really tiresome to the feet because there's just, a lot of pressure all day, every day on your feet. So one, making sure that your um, feet, your shoes have some cushion. I mean, most of us probably do that, but we might not think about it um, because just that little extra cushion can add that some relief. And then the other thing to think about is when we are walking on flat ground, we, so I'm going to zoom out a little bit and then talk about the feet. When we're doing the exact same thing for a while, the body fatigues because the body is designed to outsource its load to another part of the body in little, little subtle ways. So if you are standing in one position for a really long time, you'll notice that you shift. You'll shift your weight to your right foot, to your left foot. You'll kind of maybe twist your body a little bit one way, twist your body a little bit another way. And what you're doing is you're not just fidgeting, you're actually shifting the load of your weight to a little slightly different set of muscles to give the original set a break. And so it's really cool the way the body's designed. I love it. And so it's super smart where we can just kind of shift our weight tiny bit and it shifts the load, gives that original set a break, shift it back, back and forth. So, you know, it's like if you were hanging from a bar for hours on end with your hands, your hands would get exhausted. But when you're standing, there's tons of different variations and options for your body to give itself a break, which is really powerful. So when it comes to our feet, uh, if you are not walking on flat ground, you're actually um, giving those sets of muscles a break. So if your foot is tipped slightly to the right, then the original set of muscles is actually getting a break. It's just like when we're fidgeting, when we're standing or slightly to the left or tipped down or tipped up. And the ankle is really cool. If you, you can just see how the foot has so many different options of area, planes that it can balance on. And they're really subtle, but it actually gives the foot a break. So when, when you're on really flat ground, that is you kind of have to search for creative options as far as what I like to do is, again, with birth workers, you're in the zone, you're doing your thing. So attaching it to something you're already doing. So every time you go to the bathroom, like propping your forefoot on the door frame and giving your like your foot and the back of your leg a little stretch. So think almost like a runner stretch, but you don't have to like touch the floor, 
but just giving it a little bit of a break, a little bit of variance than just flat and level can be really powerful. And then when you're off shift, one of the things I love to do is have a water bottle, a plastic water bottle in the freezer, and you can pull that out and then you can roll your foot on the water bottle. So it's basically like a circular ice pack and you can give your feet one, some relief by rolling it and then two, a little bit of ice to hit it. And that can be really um, relaxing for the foot. And you can also like give yourself a little foot massage and kind of getting that movement in there can be really helpful. Now, we don't have to go into brand names here, but do you have any types of shoes? Like a lot of people wear clogs and things like that. Do you have any that you've found are better or worse? You know, the feet, I have read books on the feet and so I can go down the rabbit hole there, but I won't. Um, but the feet are powerful and they're very complex. They're designed to, they are 26 bones, 33 joints, tons of musculature, lots of ligaments. And it's just really, they're beautiful and they're complex. And so the foot, if we have uh, feet muscles that are used to being engaged more, they're actually designed for movement. So like I said, with the ability to shift the body and pass that weight from one position to another, the foot is actually designed to do that as well. So when there is a lot of stiffness in the shoe, the foot is going to be more stuck in one position, which can be harder to um, shift that weight around. But if you're not used to really activating the feet a lot, you know, that a little, I do recommend some cushion just so that with the cushion, you have the cushion, but you also have a little bit of flexibility to kind of wiggle inside because rather than a lot of clogs are just really a solid bottom, like your foot's not going anywhere, like it's there. And while initially that can feel supportive, it doesn't give a lot of movement options to pass that weight around. So it's basically like, this is my one position for my foot and it's going to be in this one position for a really long time, however long I'm on my feet. And while culturally that's very normal for our culture, if you zoom out in, you know, history, it's not as normal. And when we think of like our body, like if I was going to hold my arm for one position for 13 hours, we would not really be surprised that our arm was sore. We'd be like, yeah, I was just, even if it's not a really intense, like a bicep curl or something, but even if I was just holding it still in one position, you know, you, what you, what do you want to do when you're in one position for a long time? You want to shake it out. You want to move it. You want to wiggle it. You're like, this is just not the most comfortable to be in one position for a really, really long time. And then when we did the same thing to our foot, we, because it's so small, the movements and the musculature are so small, we're not used to thinking, wow, what if I offered what, like, how can I shake out my foot? Like if your arm was in one position, you want to shake it out. How can I shake out my foot? And that's through a little bit of massage, a little bit of movement, get a tennis ball, roll it around on your foot. So that's your way of being able to basically shake out your foot and give it some relaxation. So when I come to optimal shoes, it is a little more specific around, because it's like the 10 degrees of change. So it depends on your starting point would depend on what would be the most appropriate recommendation because you don't want to just, I mean, one, it's not sanitary to walk around barefoot in a birth <laughs> environment uh, or in your socks or whatever. So you have to have something on your feet. But even if it was sanitary for most of us, just walking around barefoot for a long period of time would be 
too much load for our feet and it wouldn't be an appropriate recommendation anyway. So I would just say like kind of trying to find a shoe where you can wiggle a little bit more than, and maybe you can wiggle in your shoes. You're just not mindful of it, but providing that little bit of movement for your foot will make your foot really happy. Hmm. Maybe a um, softer tennis shoe. Yeah, it's tricky yeah. with that because they always want stuff that fluids can't get on either. Exactly. Which is why yes. a lot of people use the clogs. Yes. <clears throat> Let's get into the um, self-regulation of the nervous system. Yeah. So I love this. So I love seeing movement and <coughs> and positioning it as a uh, as a tool for you to use to feel better, rather than a measuring stick for you to make yourself feel like you're not doing enough. So a lot of us, when we think of exercise or we think of movement, we think of burning calories, we think of creating a shape of our body, we think of um, health in general guidelines of I need this many minutes a day, I need to get my heart rate up to this uh, pace. And I like to shift things around. One, I think a lot of the things we know are really... mm, Science is interesting. I love science, but it's also you kind of have to know how to read scientific research papers to kind of understand the limitations of what the numbers and what they mean. And there's a culture, there's a kind of like one or two more what you would consider like a traditional cultures that exist in our world as far as like they eat traditional foods and they practice a traditional lifestyle and they build their homes a traditional way and there's a Hazda tribe in I believe it's um in South America and so scientists have done a ton of research on them because they're like you are the like you still exist like you don't have these processed foods and and processed way of living and they have incredible health markers as far as uh like heart disease and cardio yeah all the cardiovascular stuff all cancer everything like they're so ridiculously healthy and they studied them and they said what how much cardio do they get a day and on average the amount of cardio they get is between five and seven minutes a day and Mm -hmm. Yeah. So they were like, this is really interesting. And so what they found was they move a lot throughout the day, but their heart rate doesn't need to get super intense. They're just, you know, they're carrying wood and they're foraging for their food or they're hunting for their food or they're getting you know, the water. They're doing all the things, but they don't have to like do running around the mountain 10 times to be healthy. And so I like to kind of help that shift as far as like, I'm just here to help you find creative ways to be in your body and to move a little bit more. And then we see it as a tool and it becomes your friend. And so what I like to do is see movement as a conversation with your body, because we need to have that relationship with our body before we can even think about using movement as a tool for self-regulation because if it's a punishment if it's an exercise it's I need to do this for five minutes and then I can check that off my list we're still really living in our heads and we're less in our bodies and so my what I love to do is help people use movement to get in tune with their body to get in touch with their body so that they can know what their body needs and so this week an example for me would be I 
um, there was just some relational stuff going on. I could feel a lot of energy in my body. Like it wasn't resting well. It was just like kind of building up almost like if you can kind of feel like a, a soda can is getting shaken up and you're like, it's all inside of me. And I'm not a runner. I, I, I don't run a lot. It's just not something that I love. It's not something I enjoy, but all of a sudden I was like, I need to run. Like I just need to go for a run. And so I went for a run and I've been spending years getting with my body and it sounds maybe a little woo woo or spiritual, but this is what I do. And so I'm running and I'm not running for a time. I'm not running for calories. I'm not running to, um, you know, take a picture and share it on my Instagram. None of those things are wrong, but that's not my focus. And my focus is on moving my energy. And so I ran until I felt better. And then I stopped and I was like, wow, I feel a lot better. But as I was running, I was kind of thinking about this and thinking about this mindset shift. And when I was like in high school or college, like I would have been doing it as a punishment or to fit into a certain size gene or, you know, just because I was supposed to. And I really, you know, I want to get this mile like a certain time. And this was just me moving my energy. And I had this mantra come into my mind where I will honor my body when it wants to move in big ways. And I'll honor my body when it wants to move in small ways. And neither one is better than the other. And I was like, that's so beautiful. Like, I just felt like, you know, the universe or God or whoever gave that to me. And so I was like, that's so key. And so when it comes to nervous system downregulation, we can sometimes need to move in really big ways and really small ways. So sometimes we can feel like a lot of energy. And I love to just like take a pillow and throw it on the bed over and over again and like do big, like, so kind of getting my heart rate up, getting a few squats in to pick up the pillow and throwing it because sometimes in our culture, we just need to move our body to get that energy out of us. So I, again, sometimes I like to see everything is connected. The physical body is connected to the emotional is connected to our mental. And I, a lot of times we get trapped in that mental, like I need to go to therapy or I need to go to counseling or I need to talk this out, or I need to maybe even cry, which crying is kind of physical, but it's also, I think more connected to the emotional side of things. And I am a huge proponent of therapy. I am a huge proponent of like whatever you need to do for self care. But I'm also here to say, let's put the physical body in the equation as well. So it's not that the others are better, worse and this is better, but a lot of times we forget that our physical body needs tending to for our, our own emotional health and our mental health because we carry, it's been scientifically proven that we carry energy in our body and even the psoas muscle, which is beautiful and powerful and it runs from um, the femur bone and it wraps around the back and it attaches at the spine. It has uh, 22 attachments on, you know, 11 on either side. And it's really complex and gorgeous. And it's called the fight or flight muscle. And if it's activated, if it's tense, it pulls you into that fetal position. And so creating awareness around the fact that we do carry trauma in our body. So some people will even see it like if they go to a massage therapist and the massage therapist like hits a certain point all of a sudden they have a massive emotional reaction they're crying they're shaking sometimes they get flashbacks sometimes it's not connected to actual memory but it's like what is going on it's because they hit some energy point that was carrying some trauma and all of a sudden it was able to come out and so I am like why don't we not wait until it reaches a boiling point but we're constantly engaged with our body 
And sometimes it's just some gentle stretching. And sometimes it's a psoas release where you're not even moving. And sometimes, and I have um, examples of these on my website if people want to look. And uh, sometimes it's doing really big moves. Sometimes it's going for a run, but it's you tapping into your energy level and knowing, and it takes some time to kind of develop that language with your body of knowing what it needs. But I also like to just say, like, try things and like, then see how you feel, like throw a pillow at your bed for a minute and then stop and breathe and say, do I feel better or do I feel worse? And then, you know, like, okay, cool. And, you know, lay and do a psoas release for five minutes, a couple days in a row. And then checking in and saying like, wow, like I feel some, I feel better. Like that's really cool. Or, eh, well, that was cool, but I didn't really feel anything. And you'll develop this knowing of what your body needs. And, you know, all the, everything you've talked about sounds completely realistic to apply to just everyday life. Like, I think about a lot of things you're talking about. Oh, I could do that with my kids or getting them involved. And um, it just sounds like, oh, I can do this. I can apply this to my life. Yes. Do you agree? And absolutely. And that is my perspective is more <clears throat> incorporating movement into your everyday life rather than having to corner off a section of time because none of us have an extra section of time. None of us, if I were to say, who has an extra hour they don't know what to do with their day? Like no one's going to raise their hand and say, okay, I'm now I'm going to put for the 30 hour day. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> you know, and so for all, if we position movement as this separate thing that you need to set aside the separate time to somehow achieve it. And then the rest of your life has more meaning. No, none of us are going to be able to do that. But if I say, if we can incorporate movement, getting ourselves out of our brain and into our body during our everyday lives, then there comes this homeostasis, this balance that comes into play. That's really beautiful. I need you to come and hang out with me for a week. <laughs> I would love like, it. This is what I, can... I do. This is my favorite thing in the world. <laughs> oh, I love it. You have such a fun job. Yeah, I really do. And I get um, to wear yoga pants. So honestly, it's the best job ever. I mean, I wear them anyway, but <laughs> <laughs> so the last thing I want to talk about, I, you talked about this a lot, but um, I'm sure you have more to add to it. Um, staying in body during a birth when we're serving our clients. Yes. So I, I call thing. I just make words up and phrases up. So I, <laughs> I call I it, care, it, I call it caretaker brain when you're in the zone and you're so focused on whoever it is that you're serving. And especially with a birth worker, there are so many things that you're paying attention to. Like I said before, I mean, everything from the sounds to the facial expressions to you're just watching and you're taking so much information in and it's gorgeous and it's amazing and it's powerful and it's important. But then it becomes, again, you can feel the energetic pull is all sitting here on the brain. Like everything is just in the brain. You're processing, you're thinking, you're analyzing, you're, you know, you're controlling your facial expression because, you know, you want to, you know, make sure you're putting off your positive energy and sending out that, you know, encouraging and positive vibe. And you're not wanting to, you know, that I, that's what I have to work on the whole resting bitch face. Cause when I get to like mm -hmm. thinking really hard, like my face yeah. all of a sudden looks like something's wrong. I'm like, no, nothing's wrong. I'm just like processing. Um, 
So I have to tell my kids that they're like, what's wrong? I'm like, I'm just thinking, I know I'm just thinking nothing's wrong. And so in that environment, like there's all those types of things that you have to juggle and it's so easy to disattach. And so there's little cues that we can do. One, it's acknowledging that your body's important because when I first came into this work, I just started I really wanted to serve midwives and, and doulas and the birth workers because they had such an impact on my life. And I mean, that's what I remember out of my birth. I remember the birthing experience and I remember the people, the people who were there, who encouraged me, who held my hand. And while it's their job all day, every day for me in that moment, it was so powerful and transformative. And I know so many other women have that experience and it makes massive difference. And so I'm here and I'm wanting to support these birth workers. And I started looking for quotes, like just to put on my Instagram, you know, about birth workers or about midwives. And the one quote I kept finding over and over and over again was midwives are only there to watch you do the birth. Like basically that sentiment over and over again, like you, the birther are doing all the work. Me as a midwife, I'm just here observing. And while I totally understand the intention behind that, it's empowering women. They are able to do their births. They are capable. Their bodies are capable the intention behind that quote, but another underlying um, belief that is wrapped up in that is that midwives don't really matter all that much. Like they do in an emergency, but otherwise like just be there and keep, keep things rolling along. And I'm here to say like your body and you and your ability to not burn out, like I'm here to serve you because you matter. Like if this community were to burn out and blow away, like I don't even want to know what that would do. Like women need this community so badly in all the different ways and shapes and forms. And so I am here to just kind of gently nudge people to remind them like, one, you matter, your needs matter, your body matters, your pain matters. And when we can make that shift and acknowledge one that I matter and being embodied isn't selfish, it isn't taking me away from my client, that I'm actually able to serve them more fully when my cup is full and I'm serving from an overflow rather than kind of running on empty and my gears are grinding. And when they can make that mindset shift, then taking a few seconds every hour or so to just do a check-in, wiggle your toes. That brings you into your body real quick. Just like wiggling your toes, all of a sudden your brain has to connect all the way down to your feet. And like neurologically, your brain is making all these little connections all the way down or doing a quick like just where's my pelvis? I'm going to make a little shift for me in my body. It's going to be real subtle. Your clients are not even going to notice. I'm going to go to the bathroom instead of holding it to when I'm going to explode. Like if there's a quick break where I know like they're fine. I mean, while they would, you know, while part of me wants to be here for every second for every day. I'm going to go to the bathroom and I'm going to take an extra 30 seconds in the bathroom to breathe, to stretch my arms, to wiggle my pelvis, to just be for a moment and then go back. You know, having self-care mantras are really powerful. You know, I know a lot of birth workers do this as far as, you know, this is not my birth. This is not my body. Something like that, where it's just really reminding us that we are our own person and kind of touching base with our own boundaries and our skin is one of those boundaries and you know even just rubbing your hands together and feeling the warmth and feeling that connection and that neuro you know the neurological connection it can be really powerful so it doesn't have to be like go do a 
two hour yoga session after every birth, because honestly, again, you're going to be in bed. Like you're going to be with your family. You're going to be doing something where you don't have an extra two hours, but doing little check-ins. And I like to start with one an hour, whatever that feels like it feels right. And it feels like it's going to serve you where you're just checking in with your body. And then it becomes a habit. It becomes a routine where you just do quick check-in, quick check-in. Where am I? What do I need? How am I doing physically? And that serves the emotional and it serves your mental. I know this sounds super woo-woo, but this whole conversation has been so powerful. I can literally feel it. That's so good. I hope when people listen, they're like, I mean, I know that I need to do some self-checks and listening to all of you, but I mean, just wow, stuff that you're not really paying attention to and what small differences can make a difference in yourself and yeah. your care. Absolutely. And it's not woo woo. Like the physical body is spiritual is a really cool thing. So that's, that's how I teach it. <laughs> um, you are doing amazing, amazing work. I love it. That Maybe that'll be my next career. There we go. <laughs> so tell us where to find you. I am Erin Underwood Movement. So I'm ErinUnderwoodMovement.com. I'm Erin Underwood Movement on Instagram and Facebook. And I have the Thriving Birth Worker podcast where I interview a lot of cool people and I share some of this information there. And so I would just, I love connecting. And if somebody wanted your services, how would they go about that? Where I'm at right now is I am about to launch a YouTube channel. So not quite there yet, but real close where it's going to be a lot of these little tutorials of how to check in. So how to, you know, strengthen your wrists for applying counter pressure, how to, you know, stretch them out after you've applied counter pressure for hours, how to navigate around a birth tub without feeling awkward and like you're going to fall in. So I've got a whole list of ideas that are growing and I'm, I'm working on launching that. So that'll be a really cool, free, fun way for people to connect with me. And yeah. in March, I'm going to be releasing uh, my uh, thriving birth worker movement method course, which is a head to toe uh basically all of these things wrapped up into a course. So it's the movement piece, but it's also the nervous system downregulation piece. So I'm really excited to offer that as well. That is going to be an amazing course. And I feel like should be a mandatory part of curriculum when you're learning this work. Yeah. Really. Like as a that, thank you. Whatever. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, <gonna laughs> I'm really excited that. about it. If I ever become <laughs> in higher education, that's what I'm going to say. Well, perfect. So, thank you. <laughs> Well, thank you, Erin, for your time. Thank you for reaching out to me. This was awesome. I can't yeah, wait to thank share. you so much for all you do. I'm just so grateful for everyone who supports this community. It's so vital. What a fun and informative episode. I got to do with Erin. If you are interested in two free 10-minute movement classes, you can search for www.erinunderwoodmovement.com backslash OMC. And if you're not able to find that, you can find Erin on Instagram at Erin Underwood Movement. And you can tell her that the Mothering Midwife sent you. Thank you, Erin, for interviewing with me on the Journey to Midwifery podcast. If you're listening and you'd like to interview with me, please reach out to me. You can find me on Instagram, email, or my website at journeytomidwifery.org. And if you love today's episode, please take a few minutes to leave a positive iTunes review. Until next time.